You are now in the mix with the Atomic Podcast, where we blow up the news. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from the Upper West Side, New York City, where we blow up the news on a verbal scale. My guest today, she's an actress, and she's a producer, she's a mom. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the one the only Miss Tiffany Shepis. Tiffany, how are you doing this evening? Hey, 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 my favorite Upper West Sider. Did you know that I am from 73rd and Broadway? Shut like, up. For that's real? where I grew up, the Indian Sonia building. And so talking to you, you heard like, I, first of all, my favorite podcast ever. Oh. Second of all, my favorite podcast host. Huh. But third of all, you are in my favorite, favorite place in the world. Like not just like, you know, in the country, like in the world. Like Manhattan, come on, doesn't get any better than that. Even though I'm sitting in sunny California where it's kind of just hazy and perfect weather and everything's pretty laid back. It's <laughs> nothing better than New York. I know, the thing is about New York, you know, you could pretty much, you don't really need a car. You could just take the train to Coney Island, take the train to 72nd, anywhere you want to go to, you know. Oh, yeah, no, when I, when I first moved to Los Angeles, uh, I was 20 years old. Yeah. And I never, I never got a driver's license. I never drove a car. Wow. And if anyone that's been to Los Angeles knows, you cannot get around the city without a car. And so I had to just learn on the fly. I, I went, I got a car, I didn't know how to drive. I was like, shit, I got to learn how to drive this so I can go to the DMV and try to figure out how to get a license. <laughs> like, it was, it was pretty, like, guerrilla-style filmmaking. It was guerrilla-style driving. Oh, wow. Wait, so um, how long was you out there without a license? Like, you always re- was relying on other people to drive you around? Like, how did that work out? Uh, I, I, I think I got it within, like, six months. Like, I ended up going to Arizona to get it because I heard that you could get them easier there. Like, it was really, like, kind of a shady job. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably driving way too aggressively, not knowing what I was doing. Not just two bullets, but, uh, but I'm a pretty good driver now. <laughs> Oh, wow, wow. Interesting. L.A., L.A. So tell me about um, growing up in New York City. Tell me where exactly you grew up. Well, you said 72nd Street and Broadway. So um, how how was New York City for you, like, growing up as a, you know, teenager? Uh, growing up in New York was, growing up in New York was awesome. Um, I mean, just anyone that's been there knows. I mean, there's something new all the time. Everywhere. You know, everywhere you look, there's something going on. Like a free concert in the park or, you know, a matinee at a show or just, just hanging out on the sidewalk and, and watching people. Like, there's always something to do. And interestingly enough, that's kind of how I got into making movies was uh, I was just like a fan kid like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Watching horror movies on the weekend with my brother. And uh, I looked through somebody's paper at school because where I went to school, there were a lot of actor kids, but I wasn't one. Uh, and they were casting for uh, Lloyd Kaufman from Traumas, Tromeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was like, oh my God, like I love those movies. Like I'd love to be in that. And like to me, I thought I would run down there and maybe be seen in the background of something, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I auditioned for Lloyd and James Gunn, who of course went on to do huge things like Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it was his first movie. And they gave me a real part in it. And, and it was my first movie that was like 16 years old. And uh, yeah, and so I, I kept kind of making crazy horror movies after that. But uh, that, that to me is like the essence of Manhattan. It's like, you know, you you could like, you know, read things in the paper and, and think you're going to go and just kind of watch something be made and next thing you know you have a part in it. Like there's just kind of this crazy world of opportunities there that I just don't think exists anywhere else, not even in Los Angeles. 
Bob, no. say, but how exactly did that come about at at that that at that tender age? Like, how did um you know you met Lloyd, and how did going getting into that film came about? Uh, you know, I, I I called the number and we said, yeah, you should come in and, and audition for us. And I went in and it happened to be for Lloyd and James, and I'd never auditioned for anything before. And I think mm-hmm. I felt fine a lot. Yeah, sure, I've been in movies, absolutely. Yeah, that's an experience. Um, whatever reason, they, they bought it. And, uh, and so I auditioned, and next thing you know, they were calling me, telling me I was playing uh, Peter, the bodyguard to the Capulet family. Yeah. Uh, originally meant for a male, but uh, I think everybody was just too cheap or lazy to change the name to just kept it as Peter. Female, 16 year old bodyguard to the Capulet <laughs> Yeah, well, if there's guys that could be named Ashley, I'm sure there's, you know, girls that could be named Peter, so, you know. That's true. That's <laughs> true. I dig that. All right, we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, being in trauma and getting involved in that, um, you you know, you pretty much got your beak wet doing that role. Um, did you, you know, knew like this was it for you at that age? Like you, like, all right, you know, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. Um, you know, I, I think any kid that would do that at that age, and you know, they're not being forced into it by like a crazy stage mom or something. Yeah. It's gonna think it's the coolest thing in the whole wide world. You know, yeah. when you walk onto the set and when you're an actor, unfortunately for everybody else who actually does all the hard work, like the grips and the electricians, yeah. the directors, the actors really do have a cakewalk of a job, but yet they're treated like royalty, you know? Yeah. Um, so for a kid, it's like, this is amazing. Of course this is what I want to do for a living. And um, thankfully, the, uh, the genre just... Uh, liked what I did, I guess, and I, I don't actually even recall what my next movie was after that, um, but, uh, you know, they kept me working, and I think it mostly came from, at the time, there was a lot of fanboys that were making these movies, like making Disney horror films, and they saw, like, oh, wait, she's a fangirl herself, and she's cute, and, oh, she can sort of act, you know, so to them, it was like a win-win-win. And uh, and I was excited, and you know, just like I still am about these movies. Like I'm excited to promote them. I'm excited to talk about them. I'm excited to go to conventions. And um, you know, I'm not going to say you don't ever see that with people in the genre, but there's often times where you know your favorite actor in a movie doesn't even want to talk about it later on. You know, mm-hmm. or or people that use the genre as a stepping stone and, and just kind of move on from it. Yeah, that's true. But I'm saying, but you know, being I think you started out in '96, right? And you're still continuing on to 2015. But um, there's like a lot of roles that you had. Like you know, you had like from small minor roles to big major roles. Um, so you know, you also did you know um, Citizen Toxie, and you did like a lot of trauma stuff. Um, how what how did you branch out into other projects that you know people see your work, or you was just auditioning? Yeah, almost all of my stuff has come from referrals. Um, You know, the genre, I I mean, as big as movie making is, as big as Hollywood is, it's like, the genre's a really kind of close-knit community. And often when you work with somebody once, you'll work with them again, even if it's five years later. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would get referred to projects, and, or I would just all of a sudden get called up and they'd say, hey, you know, I was a big fan of Tromeo and Juliet, and your small part was really cool, and then I saw you in this movie on Sci-Fi Channel called Scarecrow, and then I watched you in Abominable and I really want to work with you. You know, and then I'd say, cool, man, send me the script. And then next thing you know, I would off shooting a crazy movie in Alabama. <laughs> you know, so again, it was like 
this kind of whirlwind thing where I, I, I shouldn't say I didn't try, but it was more like, you know, I, I made some movies, I really loved doing it, and, and it, it found me. If that makes any sense, it was like the the fans that were out there at the time. Like, and this was the time of that when Blockbuster was really big. So, fortunately for me, my movies would often get picked up by Blockbuster. So there would be times where you could go in there and find seven, eight, or nine of my movies all at the same time on the same shelf. Mm-hmm. And you know, yet I wasn't a famous person. So I, I think that was like appealing to a lot of these young filmmakers. It was like, oh shit, you know. She can get her movie in Blockbuster, which necessarily wasn't me. It was just the movies that was in, but yeah. I, I would get work. Yeah, it's, it's funny because, like, you know, you have, you know, there's actors and actresses who, you know, don't have, like, a lot of, of bios of their work, but you've been doing pictures from 96 on, and it's just, it's just astonishing that, you know, it's like back to back to back. You you know, you're a busy, uh, busy lady. Like, um, how, like, how do you have, like, when they give you a script, like, um, is it, do you already have, like, do they have a role in mind for you, or is it something that you have to compete with other actresses with, or did they, they say, all right, Tiffany, this role is for you if you want it? Like, how does that come about? Um, 90% of my stuff is, comes to me with, like, an offer. Like, wow. so, hey, I wrote this script, and we'd like you to play the character of Elizabeth. You know, because mm-hmm. you take a look at it and let us know your schedule. Yeah. And then the other 10% is, hey, we have this project, we really like you, we think you're great. Uh, we'd love for you to audition for this role, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's cool too, you know. I mean, not everybody's familiar with my stuff, and certainly if it's something I've never played before, like I'd want to test the waters too. Be like, yo, what can this chick do, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, I don't disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> I know, um, and also, you know, you're. You're very, you know, you play um, horror roles, you play, like, the sultry character roles, um, and, you you know, you seem, even talking, you're very free-spirited. Um, was Is there ever a role that you wouldn't play, or is there ever a role that you're shy to play, or you're just game for whatever? Uh, you know, I, even, like, it, it changes mm-hmm. yearly. You know, like, things change for me as the years go on. Like, you know, stuff that I used to say I would never do, you know, I'll totally do now. Or vice versa. You know, stuff I used to find really interesting and edgy, I find to be quite boring and and cheap now. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and like, I guess maybe it's because, like, I mean, you'll understand this, but, like, being a parent, me has, you know, changed... The, the types of movies that I'm, I'm interested in watching now. Like, stuff that, like, you know, hurts kids or, you know, things that, like, you know, kids being killed or, or tortured or whatever. Like, it, it really just hits, like, way too close to home for me. Like, I'm, I'm way too terrified of those kind of things mm-hmm. to watch them. So then I tend to shy away from being involved in that. You know, not saying I wouldn't do it. It's just, it have to be something that blew me away. Like, I, I just couldn't... Do, see myself being involved in just some, like, torture movie where it's like, we're just going to kill the kids for the fuck of it. <laughs> you know, to me, I find that boring. Like, I don't find it interesting. I find it, like, a, a cheap way to to get weirdos money. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, you know, again, everything changes. Like, you know, if you would have asked me 12 years ago, would you do nudity in this movie and that movie? And I'd be like, fuck no. You know, get out of here. And now that I didn't, Nudity, tons of movies, and now if you ask me, I'm like, hell no, I'm too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> but next year, I may be going, 
don't you want to see me naked in this film? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it changes all the time. You know, it, I think what it is is like, you know, with the, you know, the genre goes in such waves. It's like, you know, for a minute, every movie's a zombie movie, a zombie movie, a zombie movie. So if I got a script, another script that came across my desk, and I'm like, this is a fucking zombie movie, no way I'm not doing this. Or, you know, then the year goes on, and then it's all torture for it. Torture, torture. It's like, ah, oh, Jesus, if I see another one of these women trapped in a house being tortured, I kill myself, you know? Yeah. It's like, so it, I think a lot of it has to do, like, my opinion on some of the scripts has to do with how much we've been bombarded with stuff, you know? hmm I know, um, but, like, yeah, basically, it's just, like, um, you know, it's, like, it's almost like if you get the roles the first time, like, the same roles or a, a same pattern of the roles you'll still continue to get, but, um, do you feel, um, like, you, you said, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, and then now, you know, you're a parent and everything, um, so there's certain roles you wouldn't do now as opposed to back then? Like, right now, as as a parent now, would you consider doing any gory roles now, or...? Well, the goriness doesn't bother me. I just prefer to kill adults. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I prefer to hack up adults, you know? <laughs> and again, you know, I just recently did a movie where it's implied that we're hurting children. Yeah. Didn't go, and I didn't have any problem doing that. So it really just, I guess, all depends on the way it's written, the way it's carried out. You know, are we are we doing this just to shock somebody? Is there something interesting behind it? Is it going to be shot well? Is it going to look cool? You know what I mean? It, there's so many factors that go into it. I just tend to get a little like, uh, like really, are you kill kids? Huh? <laughs> it's close it out. Yeah, um, how was it like doing, um, Emmanuel 2000? Because, you know, those are a series of movies, um, as a whole, how, how did you feel being a part of that franchise? Well, I consider it as a franchise, it's been around for years, but... Well, what's funny about that is in Emmanuel 2000, I just did a, like, a cameo with, like, a Pocahontas character. Yeah. Who <laughs> gets, <laughs> like, like, a fake orgasm, I think, sent to her from, like, some magical ball or something. <laughs> Um, so, it's like, I really wasn't even in those movies, I don't, I didn't get naked in them or anything like that, so it's kind of a waste for the Emmanuel series. (laughs) Well, I'm saying, I guess you could say you're now, you're a part of it, you know, because it's... it's... I can, I can, I can do the Emmanuel conventions when they want to go up. But uh, I did that movie because I wanted to work with my friend, Rolf Knefsky, who we've done like seven movies together, he... He and I did a movie called The Hazing, which was really, really ridiculously popular, and uh, then a movie called Nightmare Man, which was part of the After Dark Horror Fest. Um, pretty cool, too. And then he was doing Emmanuel, and I was like, I want to be in that! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's kind of the way it went. And so, you know, uh, I suppose to be a part of something like that's kind of cool. You know, I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot of, you know, there, there's certainly movies in my in my filmography history that embarrassed me, but interestingly enough, they wouldn't be the ones that you would think. <laughs> they're not the Emmanuels. They're like some shitty horror movie that uh, I just think is so bad that I'm like, oh, God, so embarrassed. Why did I have to pay the mortgage so bad that month that I made that piece of shit? <laughs> yeah. It's funny how you say that, because now I, w- I want to just get into this. Sharknado 2, which is like the first Sharknado hit like globally, and everybody was talking about it. Being part of the Sh- Sharknado 2 franchise, did you feel that 
you know, more eyes were open on you now since you you're a part of that franchise, even though it's like it's like sort of mainstream in like the cult community. What what's your take on the whole Sharknado franchise thing? I think it's the coolest thing of all time. Yeah. And absolutely there's more people that not necessarily know who I am now, but have become familiar with my other work because of that. Yeah. It's like the Super Bowl of these films, you know? (laughs) Love it or hate it, it was something that everybody got together to do because it was such a ludicrous thing. And, you know, I I don't know, you tell me, but I don't know of very many other horror movies that had, like, fast food tie-ins, you know? Like, they they had ads at Subway. Like, the, the, the promotion behind that was just unbelievable and the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. Like, what a whirlwind. It's like... You know, the cool thing about the genre at times is that, like, you're famous in one very, very small circle, but then you're very obscure in others. And that was kind of fun because at that little moment in time, like, you were actually very famous because everyone in the world was talking about your movie. And, you know, the Today Show is showing a clip of you, you know, like, of me. Like, I'm not the star of that film. Like, you know, I bet you Ian Deering doesn't even know my fucking name. You know, but yet, like, every clip was of me getting eaten by a shark. You know, like, that's really badass. Yeah, that's the thing, and, you know, you had a lot of cameos from, like, people from, like, the Today Show and the movies, and, you know, it, it, it was sort of mainstream, because it was even, like you said, it was on the Today Show, a Sharknado, you know what I'm promoting it, you know? It just, yeah, it, you yeah, know. for sure. So you think you get recognized more for Sharknado, I guess, now, currently, than you did for your other movies? I don't necessarily get recognized more from it, but what happens is I get a lot of people that go, oh, Oh, I, I, the Sharknado girl, cool, man, what else have you done? And then they become familiar with my other stuff. And what's really cool about the Sharknado thing is that very few of my movies are family-friendly, yeah. and Sharknado 2 is. Yeah. So, whereas Dad and Mom may have been fans of mine from The Hazing, or Homesick, or Mary the Demons, or whatever, uh, now their kids are fans of Sharknado 2. Yeah. And they're buying the pop figures, and they're wearing the t-shirts, and so it ends up being like I'm like the family event person now. <laughs> Step right up, got something for everybody. Yeah. I was speaking in um, Night of the Demons, which was a remake of the original, which I love the original. Um, the remake is pretty good in its own right. Um, how did you feel playing your bit part as Diana in the in the role? Dude, I was such a big fan of Kevin Teddy's Night of the Demons yeah. that I would have like, flip hot dogs in the background of the remake. <laughs> or, yeah, I would have, like, because I just thought, I thought the original Night of the Demons, like, I would have killed to play the Angela role. Like, yeah. kill. Oh. And I would have killed to play the Angela role in the remake, too. But, yeah. uh, unfortunately, when I was brought on board, they had cast everybody except for Diana, the cool door woman. <laughs> and, uh, and who knows? There is a script written for the sequel, and in the sequel... Uh, I play uh, the Angela character. I throw the party because I'm the only one left alive and I stole the money, man. So, <laughs> you never, never, ever know. Yeah. It could happen. And that script was written by my, my super awesome genius husband, Sean Trash. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Oh, man. But um, with, with the with the um, Night of the Demons, do you feel... Which one do you prefer? You don't have to say which one do you prefer, you know prefer per se, but you know everyone you know has their opinions. But which one do you prefer? Dude, I, I don't I don't have a preference either way. Like I think I think there's a reason for remakes, and yeah. I think it's a good thing. Like without a remake of Night of the Demons, the original would have just inevitably died off. Yeah. Like 
you know, our kids and their kids aren't going to sit around and go, let me watch that old B movie, you know, that you, that great grandpa was a fan of. You know, it doesn't really work like that, especially for like kind of more indie cult ones. Yeah. It may happen for like, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, something that it, it just, it just became so big on a mainstream scale later on. Yeah. And so a lot of these things would die. But what's happening now is people go, Whoa, that Night of the Demons movie was awesome. You go, well, did you ever see the original? And they go, what original? And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they're buying it on Blu-ray when it comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're looking it up to see if they can can find it somewhere. They're, they're finding old Linnea Quigley movies and becoming a fan of hers. People that would have never, ever known about it before. So I think that's the reason for these things. Like, And, and I never, like a lot of people, was kind of down on the remake thing many years ago until my little sister uh, goes, dude, Tiffany, like, oh my god, I just watched the night, the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that thing was so scary, and I was like, oh yeah, you really liked it? And I was like, oh, and it was when, it was the Jessica Biel one, and which I actually thought was a very good remake, by the way. Yeah. Produced by Jeff Allard, who executive produced my movie, The Violent Kind, mm-hmm. and my feature movie, The Night Watchmen, which was coming out there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but I thought it was a really great remake, and so I said to my sister, I was like, wow, I said, well, I don't know anybody in the the new one. I said, but I know a lot of the actors from the original. So next time I'm at a con, I'll, I'll get you some autographs. Yeah. And she goes, what original? Oh, wow. I had no idea. Oh, my God. At the time, she was like a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. And and I I didn't, you know, kind of, I didn't grow up with her. She was my half-sister and I'm much older, you know. So yeah. I, I never, you know, sat around with her on Friday nights and made her watch movies. So that's the reason for these things, because then all of a sudden her and her friends are having a party the next week watching the original and then watching part two, and you know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you mean. Like, you know, um, I have the preference, though. Like, I, I, it depends on it because, you know, when I tell people, oh, have you seen A Nightmare on Elm Street? Some of the, some people talk about the Jackie James early one, and then I'm talking about, no, Robert yeah. Ingalls, you know? There's some things, like, you know, I hope they never remake Jaws because I don't see that being remade at all. Like, there's certain films, it's almost like it's untouchable. Like, you should not touch it. You know what I'm saying? The first one... Sure. And, and I agree. And, like, yeah. if, if they can't make something better or at least more modern and yeah. make it make sense like you shouldn't do it but you know it's all a money game it's never up to <laughs> yeah I don't like you know like certain certain like not like you know for, for example when they had the Psycho remake with Vince Vaughn you know it was almost yeah. shot for shot the same as the original like you know if, you, if you're gonna do a remake you know just you know, deviate from the original storyline and just do something different and make it make it original. Yeah. You know, like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's some people who hated the remake of RoboCop, but I actually liked it because it was sort of different. You know, it wasn't the same. You know, the same take as the original RoboCop, but you know, it was the same storyline. But they had they, there was elements that were changed in it. But you know, I don't know if you've seen that though. But it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, also, um, you have like. You know, you've done like um the the zombie hunter movie. You've done um the pickup axe murderers part three. Like um, there's a lot of like um like blood in your roles and a lot of like um like have you ever wanted to play like a like a like a stay at home mom in a in a role in a movie? <laughs> uh, well, interestingly enough, I just recently played um like the caretaker of a, a boy who uh like it was like a catatonic. Really. And, yeah, and I play, like, kind of a caretaker nurse, like, as sweet as can be. Apple pie sweet, Nurse Kathy, <laughs> in a movie called Deadly Prank. 
And there's no there's no catch to it. You're just a regular nurse. No catch. No, no catch. No, no, no stripper nurse. No evil nurse. Just, just the nurse. Just the nice sweet nurse. <laughs> well, uh, um, and so, and those are those are fun to play too. You know, I'm. I mean, realistically, it's like yeah, I love making horror movies because to me they're the most fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's fun to to pretend to be scared. It's fun to pretend to scare somebody. It's fun to be covered in blood, and I think people look cool covered in blood. You know, fake blood that is. Fake yeah. blood. Are you filming? That's the one you're filming right now, Tar. Yeah, I just I just wrapped on it uh, like two days ago. Oh, okay. When do you know when it will be released, or that won't be released till next uh, year? Usually, I think they they have a a film festival set for October, so I'm I'm imagining fairly soon, like October, November, December, somewhere around there. Oh, okay. And um, you have a, a lot of other um films that you completed. Um, Model Hunger is that out on um on VOD or is it is has it been released yet? No, Model Hunger, uh, directed by Deborah Sean. Yes. Uh, it was like super awesome screen queen. Yes, definitely. Uh, she it was her first directorial debut and, and oh, really? uh, when I saw it wow. pretty, pretty badass okay. and Lowry's in it and it's not out yet. I think it's doing just the festival circuit, but I imagine that one will be out soon too, probably November, December. Somewhere around there, and then uh, I have another movie called Deadly Prank, where I play the sweet nurse Cassie, <laughs> um, with Beverly Mitchell. If you remember her from Seventh Heaven, yes, the the, the young the young one, right? No, 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 the middle one, the middle child, right? She was the middle one, yes. and Tom Green. Remember oh, Tom? Wow. Well, he's he is back, and he's in Deadly Prank with uh, me as well. So that I would imagine be out around the same time. So it might be a really awesome Christmas for Tiffany Shepard. <laughs> How was it working with Tom Green and Beverly Mitchell? How were they? You know, interestingly enough, I didn't work with Tom Green at all. I never was on one day of set with him, but I oh, heard wow. he's very, very funny and like a total pro. And Beverly Mitchell was so sweet. She's a mom too, and so uh, you know, she was just just sweet, working, hard working, knew her lines, was really good in the movie. She was adorable. But it's always funny when you see somebody like that that you kind of grew up watching. Yeah. It's like you, you kind of feel like you know them, and then I found myself kind of staring at her a lot, like a creeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be like, whoa, you don't really know this person, do you? <laughs> Yeah. Speaking spe speaking of creepers, you know, um, since you know you had a lot of like you know voluptuous roles and scream queen roles and horror roles, have you ever had your delts with like uh, stalkers or like people who see you in the movies but they think they can you know say, oh, I, I want to meet her in person and everything like that? You ever had? Um, you know, for the most part, most of my fans have been really cool, really respectful, really cool, and I think it's because I'm fairly approachable. Like you know, 
if you see me at a convention, I'll sit and chat with you for as long as I can, you know, and, and so I, I've been very, very lucky that way. Yeah, I've had my fair share of freaks as well, um, that, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't like to glorify any of that behavior so much, so yeah, yeah. I tend to not, not talk about it, but, um, okay. But, you know, thankfully I've been pretty lucky and very safe. So, you know, unlike some girls, like I've, I've heard really terrible, awful stories. Mine has been more like the person that never beats. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, okay, uh, all right, uh, huh, shit, really? Nice, <laughs> <you> house? Huh. <laughs> but thankfully nobody dangerous. <laughs> good, good. Um, um, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but um, could you tell me a little bit about Corey Haim, since you was involved with him in the past? Can you tell me, like, how was he? How what? Um, Corey Haim. Oh, he was, he was a lovely guy, yeah. and he was an actor that was in so many cool movies, like, it was ridiculous, like, people, people loved Corey, and it's really, it's a shame that he's gone, Yeah. that's really all I say, I don't talk about dead people, but, uh, he, he was charming, and, and, you know, I think if he was around longer, he would have continued to make really cool movies that people would have done. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, he's, you know, Lost Boys is still one of my all-time favorites. You know, definitely. yeah, that's a lot of people. Yeah, um, um, definitely. I want to talk to you. I, I didn't get to. I didn't. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I heard so much about it. Um, Abominable, which is like you know one of your most popular movies. Can you tell me about that? Oh, Abominable, yeah. cool movie. Like everybody and everybody is in that film. Uh, directed by Ryan Shiffrin, son of Lalo Shiffrin, the composer. Like, yeah. Awesome. Uh, and it has Matt McCoy and D. Wallace Stone and Jeffrey Combs and Rex Lynn and Lance Hendrickson and yeah. it's just like this kind of crazy, crazy Bigfoot movie. Yeah. And it's Bigfoot meets Rear Window and, you know, it's Bigfoot in the woods and women are in a cabin and Matt McCoy plays a man in a wheelchair who's watching all this shit go down but nobody believes him and he can't call for help and he can't get there to save him so... <laughs> Definitely will. Yeah. Is it on Netflix by chance, or you not? You don't know. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I, I imagine at this point you'll probably just watch that fucking thing on YouTube. Like it's been around everywhere so many times. Yeah, I know. I feel so but bad. But I don't that recommend I doing it. that. You should watch it on iTunes. iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> I know because you know nowadays you know every just about everything is on YouTube. But yeah, you definitely should watch it yeah. on iTunes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't don't pirate. Don't pirate, people. <laughs> Yeah, especially with the music, Lars Ulrich will definitely hate you for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you know, it's interesting. My, my husband writes for a TV show called 12 Monkeys on Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, he writes for that? We, okay. Yeah, he does, yeah. And we, we're just like, I mean, we've always been pretty big on, like, don't pirate anything. But yeah. it's so apparent when it comes to, like, a lot of these TV shows. A lot of TV shows that people go, oh, man, why aren't they bringing that back? And it's like, oh, we love that show. Everybody watched that show. It's like, well, did everyone watch that show or did everybody pirate that show? You know, because the ratings really do matter. 
for a lot of these, you know? Also, like, also network that. I was going to say, also, when people DVR it, doesn't it still count? Like, if you DVR it, if you don't get to see it, doesn't it still count as ratings? Or the, the whole thing the whole thing is really weird. I think, uh, from the way it was explained to me, that, and, and I don't know, you'd have to really do research to find this out, but yeah. I think if you DVR it and you watch it within the first three days, that counts. Ah, but after okay. that, it, it doesn't. It's, like a, it's called, like, a plus three or something. Yeah. But it's, it's still not as good of a rating as when you watch it when it airs. Yeah. Oh, change, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I haven't done. Um, um, will you be making an appearance in Twelve Monkeys, or that's nothing in the pipelines? As of? No, no, not right now. But you know, you never know. Right to those creators, people. <laughs> 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 I, my husband's just a writer, not not the not the, the, the yeah. big boss. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you, you probably can write. But, you know? when the, but when the fans speak, that's what we need: the fans to speak and write to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any conventions that you're appearing, or are you coming to the New York Comic Con this year in October, or? I'm not coming to the New York Comic Con, but I will be at Scares, uh, the Care, yeah. in Virginia, I believe in June, maybe, or July, I really yeah. can't remember what that is, and I'm going to TopCon in Kansas, and, <laughs> you know, I'm not really sure, um, <laughs> but, uh, I do have, I do have a lot of stuff coming up, uh, and it's you're on my Facebook or Twitter, I usually announce everything on there. And, uh, I try to accept everybody's friend request when I can. So, so check me out. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, are you planning to make a trip to the NYC in the near future, or that's nothing, nothing, you have nothing planned? Uh, I have nothing planned, but I always try to get back at least once a year if possible, and, and I'd be coming up on that year pretty soon. So, so you never know, and I'm definitely, we're, I'm calling you so you can buy us a cocktail. <laughs> I should be doing that. For, you should be buying me one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh man, burn! Uh, but yeah, we we always try try to get back whenever we can. Certainly, but uh, with with family and movies and stuff, I, I usually tend to just go where where the work takes us. Yeah. And then, um, speaking of being a career driven mother, um, what do you find hardest? Um, I, I think I pretty know much know the answer to this. Um, being a parent or being an actress? Oh man, being an actress is a cakewalk. <laughs> <laughs> cakewalk. And being a parent isn't very difficult, except for the fact of lack of sleep and always worrying. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know those, those things just they just make you old. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but. But being a parent, I mean, is, is probably the coolest job I've ever had, you know, to, to watch things that you've made grow and watch yourself teach them stuff and, and have to be so much smarter than you could ever imagine even yourself being, you know, and it's, it's, that's the accomplishment is like, man, just be smarter and cooler than me and all will be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, my last, my last and final question for you, what would Tiffany now tell 16 year old Tiffany back then? Uh, Tiffany now would tell Tiffany back then, do not smoke cigarettes. Um, <laughs> number one, okay. it was very, very difficult to quit, and I, I still, every day, think about smoking. Oh, wow. <laughs> how long, how long have you quit? Um, I don't know, like 200 days or something like oh, that. Oh, wow, good for you. Congratulations. Uh, oh, thanks. No, Thank no you. Problem. Um, so I would tell, I would tell myself not to smoke, and I would tell myself to not fuck up on the auditions that I thought were going to come again. Because at the time, I kind of took a lot of the career for granted a bit in the respect that I'm like, ah, you know what, I'm 17, I'd rather go party in Vegas than study from this audition, because I always thought there'd be more, 
you know what I mean? And they were for bigger stuff, like bigger shows. And, you know, the, the young, stupid self, you know, always thinks that there's more opportunities around the corner when there always isn't. So those would be the two things. Don't smoke and don't fuck up cool opportunities. <laughs> But, you know, you always manage to keep yourself relevant, and, you know, it's kind of cool because, you know, you can go to a Netflix and, you know, the majority of your movies are there, and, you know, I'm one of those fans that appreciates your work, and I hope to see a different diverse Tiffany, different diverse Tiffany roles in the future and see how that holds up. Oh, man, thanks so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, uh, I will always try to give you guys cool stuff to watch. <laughs> Now, is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want to promote or anything? No, man. Just listen to the Atomic Podcast and watch more movies and hopefully the ones that I'm in. And watch 12 Monkeys and watch TV and don't pirate stuff. And I don't know about the pirate stuff. People are going to listen to that. But, you know, the, everything else, I'm sure people will definitely listen. <laughs> totally. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for this interview. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. See ya. And I hope everybody was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good day.